0: This is Ethan Siegel and welcome back to the Starts with a Bang Podcast. Black holes are some of the most enigmatic and fascinating objects ever conceived of in our universe. If you take any mass, it takes a certain amount of energy, kinetic energy, and hence a certain amount of velocity, known as escape velocity, to escape from its gravitational pull. A black hole is an object that's so massive in such a small, compact region of volume that nothing can escape from it, because any escape velocity would have to be greater than the speed of light. Since nothing can go faster than the speed of light in a vacuum, nothing, not even light, not even gravitational waves, can escape from the inside of a black hole. The most massive object in our solar system is the sun. If you were to take the sun exactly as it is, and compressed it down into a smaller and smaller volume, so that it was only three kilometers across, it would cross the threshold into becoming a black hole. But similarly, if you took the sun just as it is and said we're going to take something of equal density but just made it a few hundred times larger, that would turn the sun into a black hole as well. Black holes can be small and tiny and ultra massive in a very small region, or they can be large and gigantic and incredibly massive, that means a black hole is really about the amount of mass total in a given volume, not necessarily about having something incredibly dense. In fact, if you looked at a black hole that was at the center of our Milky Way galaxy, four million suns, you have the entire region of the solar system encompassed by Saturn's orbit to encompass the event horizon of that black hole. In other words, for any black hole, you just need enough matter spread out over a given volume so that light cannot escape from within that volume to beyond it. So what is our universe if we were to look at it in terms of a black hole? We have the density of normal matter in the universe, We have the density of dark matter in the universe. And we know from the Big Bang, from how far light has traveled since that moment, we have a size of our observable universe as well. So if we take all of that information and calculate how much total mass is there in the universe, and we look at it spread out over the entire volume of the observable universe, you can ask how close are we to being a black hole? And the answer is actually pretty close. We're about 30% of the way there. We're fairly close to being a black hole. If our universe were maybe three times the amount of matter in it now, we would have recollapsed. We would be a black hole. But all of that about the universe is only true at the present day. That's taking the mass of the universe today, the density of the universe today, and the volume of the universe today, and doing those calculations. But if you go back closer to the Big Bang, you run into an interesting conundrum. If you go back closer to the Big Bang, the universe was hotter. But the universe also had the same amount of mass inside and was denser. It was the same amount of mass in a smaller and smaller volume. So you might start to think, if you go back far enough in time, with all of this mass encompassed in an extremely small volume, why did our universe not become a black hole immediately after the Big Bang? I want you to imagine expanding space. I want you to imagine the universe as best as you can picture it. Imagine a three-dimensional grid of space. Now I want you to imagine two separate configurations as this universe expands, as the grid lines get farther and farther apart. The first one I want you to imagine has a static constant density of material. It has the same density at all times, so as space expands, you're constantly creating more and more matter to make up for the fact that the volume of space is increasing. You also need to increase the total amount of mass. That's a universe where the density stays constant. Now I want you to imagine a universe where that doesn't happen. One where matter is conserved. I want you to imagine a universe with the same density at an initial point, except as these grid lines expand, as the universe expands, it gets less dense over time. As the volume of the universe increases, the density of space drops because the total mass inside stays the same. That first universe that we brought up, the one where the density of space stays the same, the one where as space's volume increases, the mass also increases, that one inevitably becomes a black hole. There's simply too much gravitation for whatever configuration you start with. And as time goes on, that mass is going to pull itself back together and form a giant black hole given enough time. The second case though, where you have a finite amount of mass within a given volume and that volume expands, it may or may not become a black hole and it's dependent on the properties of the universe itself, on the properties of both the expansion and of the matter inside. Picture this expanding space as a race. It's a race between these two opposing factors, the expansion of space itself, which works to make the volume larger and larger, and the gravitation from all the matter inside. We're having a race between these two opposing forces, and the Big Bang is the starting gun. So there are three classical fates to the universe. One is where gravitation wins, where there's enough mass in the universe that as the universe expands, gravitation, the amount of mass pulling in on itself, is sufficient to overcome that expansive force. So whatever the initial expansion rate is, it isn't enough to overcome the gravitational pull. The universe expands, it reaches a maximum volume, and it recollapses. In that one, it does collapse down to a singularity. It does become a black hole. It could also go the other way, where the expansion wins and there isn't enough mass and matter inside for gravitation to overcome it. In that case, the expansion wins. Now if you're not careful, the expansion is going to win catastrophically and things will disappear into oblivion. The expansion will become far too fast to ever form stars, galaxies, or the massive structures we enjoy in our universe today. If you want to ride that line, that perfect knife-edge, Goldilocks, just right line, in order so that the universe doesn't recollapse into a black hole, but also doesn't expand away so fast into oblivion where there's nothing. You need to be right on that edge. There's a very specific match you need to have between whatever the initial expansion rate is and the total amount of matter present in the universe. So what is it then that our universe did? It rode that just right line, that perfect balance, to tremendous precision. And by tremendous precision I want you to think about the universe maybe just a billionth of a second, one nanosecond after the Big Bang. The density of the universe was tremendous. It was somewhere on the order of 4 times 10 to the 24 grams per cubic centimeter. That's 10 to the 24 times denser than solid rock. And yet, that was the density of the universe one nanosecond after the Big Bang. If the universe were one part in a billion more dense than that, if there were just one extra atom for every billion atoms present there, it would have recollapsed after less than a second. That's how fast recollapse to a black hole would have happened. If it were one part in a billion less dense, if we had 999,999,999 atoms instead of a billion atoms for every billion that are out there, it would have expanded away so quickly that we never would have formed a single star in the entire universe. So when we say the universe had to be just right, we mean that it had to be about two parts in 10 to the 25 times exactly that density in order to balance the expansion rate. And even at that, if we were two parts in 10 to the 25 less dense one nanosecond after the Big Bang, our universe would be almost twice as big as it is today. If we were one part in 10 to the 25 times more dense than we were one nanosecond after the Big Bang, the universe would be re-collapsing right now. In other words, it's only this incredible, brilliant, perfect, knife-edge balance that allows our universe to exist as we see it at all. The only thing that prevented our universe from becoming a black hole was the fact that this expansion rate and the amount of matter in our universe balanced each other so perfectly. How do we know these things balance so well? Well, we have three independent sets of observations. We have a measurement of the Hubble expansion rate and how that rate has changed over time. In other words, we learned How the universe expands today and at all times, mostly from distant galaxies and high redshift supernovae. We also have the total matter density. We can measure that normal matter and dark matter both from the large scale structure of the universe, including how individual galaxies are correlated in the structure they form over hundreds of millions of light years. And finally, we have a third piece of evidence, the measurement of the fluctuations of the cosmic microwave background and what it tells us about the overall curvature and flatness of space. When we combine all three of these elements, all three of these observations, the Hubble expansion rate, the total matter density from large-scale structure, and the fluctuations of the cosmic microwave backgrounds and the flatness of space, we find that the universe is this perfectly balanced between expansion and the total energy density of space itself. It is remarkable to think that if things were just a tiny bit different in the past, based on the initial conditions, whatever the universe was born with, our universe would have collapsed into a black hole in short order. In fact, looking out at the universe today, it was only in the 1990s that our observations got good enough that we discovered the universe wouldn't, in fact, someday re-collapse into a black hole. Until that point, it remained eminently possible that the expanding universe we see, full of stars, galaxies, and all the matter and energy we see, was a black hole's inside that would grow, reach some maximum size, and re-collapse, all in a catastrophic big crunch. The singularity it would produce at the end would be indistinguishable from a black hole. But thanks to the fact that we had enough expansion, just the right amount at the very start, not too much and not too little, and pepper in that tiny little bit of dark energy we have today, and we can conclude that we've avoided that fate. We've avoided the black hole fate where the universe recollapses by only the narrowest of margins. The Starts With a Bang podcast is brought to you through the generous donations of our Patreon supporters. I'd like to thank everybody donating publicly at the $5 a month level and above for making this possible. Thanks to Bakhtiar, Kathy Reese, Robert J. Hansen, Thomas Sola, Denier, Igor Mitrofanov, Jeroen Van Ryn, Marcelo Barnaba, Jason Bissonsini, Nick Tomlinson, Rafal Wojccik, Pedro Texera, Brian Terry, Danny, Denise Arnaud, Alexander Marius, Gaijin, Bob Wilson, Adam Rabung, Andrew T. Douglas, Chris Hilly, Weller Tractor Salvage, Kevin Barnes, Patrick Dennis, Joel Baxter, Chris Shaw, Radek Nesbida, Ian Lamb, James Nance, Joe McFarland, Richard Jousy, Amira Sosnick, Rachel Merritt, Michael Mason, Sydney Atwood, Christopher Wetmore, Willie Keplinger, Jose Enrique, Harry Plumley, John Methot, Nathan Hanna, Thomas All, Glenn McDavid, Benjamin Turner, David Taschioni, Joe Latone, Philip Ratelovic, DGE, John Seal, Nathan Heston, Braxton Thomason, Karen Garrison, and Zarko Opacic. Thanks for your support and thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time and next year here on Starts With a Bang.